I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell Sanders. And you're listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. Hi, Molly. Hi, Sarah. Um, I love hearing your voice. I know. I was so excited. Sarah and I saw each other socially distantly the other day. That was nice, too. And I hadn't seen you in so long. I think, like, I had seen, obviously, my roommates I live with, and I had seen our friend Joy had come over to, had come to drop off some stuff for a birthday party. Like, so I saw her from 10 feet away, too. But I hadn't seen your real-life face. I know. Even when Joy dropped things off, she, like, left it on our little stoop and then was in her car waving. So this, I think this was the best socially distant activity we've had yet. Definitely. Um, And if people are wondering, because we probably sound different, we both have microphones now. We are not in the same room with each other, just so you know. Regrettably. (laughs) I know. It has been hard. I've been trying to keep a schedule and like my husband still has to go to work. So when he wakes up, I've been trying to get up at the same time. But today was the first day. It was so gray and I was just like, Mm -hmm. I can't get out of bed. Right? Yeah, I finally um, am at a point in our distance learning where I sort of have times to, you know, quote unquote, be at places, which is nice because I really need that for my own health. And so today I... Today I was up, but I just took a nap because <laughs> it's like the rainy sounds and the house is gray because we have a lot of windows here and we usually get a lot of the light. And today it's just so dark, like you said. Yeah, the whole thing is just surreal. Or even my last call for Worcester Magazine this week, mm-hmm. the person is starting a business and they happen to live in my building. And That's I was like, crazy. how strange is this? We have to have a remote interview, even though we're like literally 30 feet away. Yes, that's nuts. Um, After you left our social distance walk the other day, we ran into one of your neighbors also taking a walk with his... They're not married. It was DJ Blackout. Ah, the man, the myth, the legend. And it was so funny because all of us were like, it's DJ Blackout. (laughs) I know. Joy said the other day, she's like, it's so weird. You guys are actual friends, but you still call him DJ Blackout. And I was like, yup. It was hilarious. (laughs) But yes, they were having like a lovely walk. It was very cute. (laughs) Yeah, they're wonderful neighbors. And I think I have not paid so much attention to the people that live around me until this COVID-19 crisis. So that is one silver lining. It is. Yeah, it's nice. A bunch of things have, I don't know, happened. Well, a lot is happening, obviously. Uh, One thing that I have found really weird, I mean, this whole thing is obviously so strange. But one thing that I have found really weird is the frequency of famous people deaths like it's like I feel like we experience that because like people get old or sick and they die but the way that it's come rolling out in the past few weeks has just been like so startling and weird like the like the not super super famous but people that you know so that's been really strange and like kind of jarring Yeah, and I don't know, like you said, if part of it is just we're so attuned to it and sensitive Mm -hmm. right now. It's definitely got everyone on edge. For sure. It's just like, it's just part of the whole strange experience of just, of like, whatever's happening. And I think that I was reading something the other day that 
someone said that they were really trying, having a difficult time articulating their feelings to their therapist over telemedicine. Um, and their therapist said, well, really, like, what you are experiencing is grief, just like acute to this situation, but also very, very broad to everything, right? Like a strange, just almost over-the-top empathy where you just are feeling sort of everything that's happening. I just pulled up the list. So John Pine, mm-hmm. Angel from Montgomery. Yeah. Terrence McNally um, was a playwright. He passed Adam Schlesinger, the singer and songwriter from Fountains of Wayne and he's prolific he not only produced their music but also wrote hundreds of songs for crazy ex-girlfriend and is the songwriter behind like fictional songs from things so like he wrote that thing you do yes that's how i knew him and then i was like oh the stacy's mom guy yeah he was only 53 the other ones were either older some of them had underlying conditions but he was only 53 years old so that one i think hit a lot of people kind of suddenly yeah but i was hoping we could try to keep it light because i think a lot (laughs) of the pop culture i'm consuming lately has been able to acknowledge what's going on but then also turn me on to new things that Mm -hmm. can open my eyes and make my world feel a little bit wider (laughs) i know i'm like hello people have died (laughs) hi sarah i know and that's the reality right it's like just strange how do we carry on in these times and not lose sight of what a monumental moment this is? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Someone did a tweet yesterday that was like, hi, everyone. Um, I'm c- getting kind of sick of living through like historical events. Um, can we talk about Drake's house? Oh, my God. Yes. So Architectural Digest featured <laughs> Drake's house, which he oh, what did he call it? The I know I'm looking he refers at it. to it as the embassy, the embassy. Yeah. Um, I hate it. It's so funny, though, because this came out just a few days after, like, the aerial photo, or right around the same time as the aerial photo of Justin Bieber's, like, weird CD case house. Did you see um, I did not. Let me it, Google that, too. It just looks like, it looks like a five CD changer, basically, to me, is what it looks like. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, it's like, wow. It's so weird. It's, or, like, a hubcap. Yes. It's really strange. I guess it allows him to have this courtyard that's outdoor space, but it's inside. So he's shielded from, Mm -hmm. you know, paparazzi and stuff. Yes. But Drake's house, it's so ostentatious. I hate it. The opening line to the article is like, this is an MTV Cribs. This is something totally different. But I'm like, "Uh, it's not. It does feel like MTV Cribs. Yes. I will will give him that one room that... He's got, it's like a lounge. I like the mustard in there. I also, though, like I, and I don't know if this is true for you too. You, you and I both have lived in like triple decker apartments in our lives and like have smaller families, immediate families. So I am sort of accustomed to smaller spaces. So when I see rooms that are that big, I'm like, oh, I hate it. It like stresses me out. I read a lot of really funny responses and tweets to this too that were like, oh my God, if he trips and falls, because like Drake 
he even has signage in his house about smoking weed. Like, that's very much a part of his persona. Yeah. And they were like, how would you like to be wandering around that house high? Everything is sharp and pointy. It is. <laughs> it's, it's the makings of a horror movie. It It, it is, like, in, it, there's, like, mirrors everywhere. I feel like that can be sort of... That's a little scary. There were a couple of arty things that I yeah. liked. Like there, there are these two cause sculptures right in his entryway, mm-hmm. and I, I learned about cause from Morgan Blair, who came and yeah. did a mural in Auburn with my students like yeah. four years ago, five years ago, um, and she was working for cause. Like that was her day job. Was she's a studio artist for cause, and he redesigned the Moon Man for MTV's Video Music Awards. He was an animator for the show Doug and Daria, like oh, at the beginning cool. of his career. Yeah. But now he's this street art darling. And of course, Drake has these two cutaways. And it's like the classic cause figure, but you can see inside of them. It's like yeah, their anatomy say, is exposed. It almost looks like operation. It's like high art operation. And then he also has this piano, and the inside has been painted by Takashi Murakami. Or I don't know if that it was painted cool. or if it's just like an adhesive. Yeah, like a like a yeah. That the piano is very cool, right? There are like small pieces. There's even he has one room. It almost it looks like a, another kind of like lounge sort of area. I don't know. It reminds me of like um, Gustav Klimt and the <laughs> the gold, the way that the gold and the white and the black is like sort of rendered it reminds me of Klimt and I think that's cool Birgit Strahel who mm-hmm. runs the sprinkler factory she is one of the aforemost scholars of Gustav Klimt <laughs> I love that she also works in restoration for the Worcester Art Museum yes she is wonderful but yeah I don't know I just think the whole thing is like it's just too much for me I I hate it I think it's gaudy he seems to be trying so hard right even the basketball court, he has like an NBA regulation basketball Ugh. court with this cutout for a little like velvet couch. Yeah. I don't know. It's so strange. And it, it almost, it's like begging. I feel like I know that Drake has friends, but it feels like it's like begging for friends. <laughs> He's like, all my NBA player acquaintances, please come hang out. Yeah. And like, you know, the Drake curse is still upon him which is that anytime he roots for a team, that team loses whatever they're playing or whatever series they're in. So it's like they're not going to come to his house, you know? Right. Or even back to the piano, Takashi Murakami's like become a very vogue hip hop sort of adjacent. Like he's a Japanese contemporary artist, but he did Kanye's album art for graduation. He collaborated for Art Basel with Pharrell. He animated Billie Eilish's video for You Should See Me in a Crown. Like, I feel like Drake's just hopping on, you know? He right, it's almost in. like he's just picking the things that are, like, big right now. And I it's um, I, like, I want to know what Drake actually likes. And I feel like that maybe that's my problem with this house is, like, I feel like I, I don't understand what he actually, like, where he actually wants to live, you know? I don't know. What's the Beanie Feldstein movie that I love? Oh, um, Booksmart. Booksmart. Yeah. Okay, you know in Booksmart, I think his name is Jared, but the lead male character, yeah. he's so rich and cannot get anybody to come to his graduation party. Yep. This is what I'm reminded yes. of. Like, Drake just has like, all guys, the resources in the play world. With me. Yeah. But he's just kind of a docile Canadian. Right, exactly. Well, yes, but he also has a, a now publicized documented history of texting teenagers. 
Oh, wait, tell me more about that. So it started, I think, because and like, I don't know. I mean, it's there's only like a couple occasions, but it started where I think like Millie Bobby Brown was like, yeah, Drake, like text me sometimes just to like, I don't know. I guess that he thought they were friends. She's like, I think she's only 16 now. It was just like it was just weird. Like he's an adult person. And he then also it was like Billie Eilish said something about that as well. And I think like in her case, it could have been a professional thing. But I don't know. I feel like texting is like a different level. So, yeah, people just thought it was really weird because they were like, please stop texting like teens. You know, I don't know. And he's 33. It's a little odd. Yeah. Oh, God, I would never text teens. What is wrong with him? Unless it's like your family members. Right. Exactly. I don't know. Even and we're both educators. Like if you have kind of a mentoring relationship with a kid, I always have a third party involved. I'm never alone with a kid, no matter what. I mean, it's just best practice. Yeah. Or yeah, it's but it was weird. And so I'm I double checked it. Millie Bobby Brown apparently was like, yeah, we text each other. And he's like, oh, I miss you so much. And like, that's really weird. <laughs> yeah, that like, is really like weird. that implies that they were like that they had hung out. I don't know. It's just really strange. So Drake, please. Well, stop then it gives this house teams. some Neverland qualities. Too. Right? Yes, exactly. It's so weird. Another celebrity profile that I read that I, I thought was pretty funny was Chris Evans. Yeah, was that by was Esquire. great. And it caught my eye at first because someone sent it to me and was like, oh, he lives in Concord, Mass. Like, that's not that far from you, right? And I was like, well, not super far. The Concord thing is like, that's the theater. But he grew up in Sudbury, which is even closer, I think. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so he's even – that's even closer than than we thought. But he has this weird relationship, too, with the writer where the writer is asking what sound to me like totally innocuous questions. And his, the writer's name is Mike Sager. And I looked him up because I'm like, why is he talking to him with such disdain? Right. Like, what's wrong with this guy? Has this writer written a bunch of gotcha pieces? But he hasn't. He's like a widely acclaimed journalist who yeah. has all of these accolades and like a really long history of credentialed reporting. Right. So it's not like they the sent like was. a New York Post writer. Yeah, he's like a revered journalist. (laughs) I thought the funniest line in the whole piece was he's like, they talk a lot about Chris Evans' dog, Dodger. And he goes, Evans' mutt is snoozing at my feet, letting out the occasional fart. And I was like, ugh. That is is funny. (laughs) It's so real, though. Yeah, my mom's dog burped in my face the other day. You never know, Uh. I guess. Oh, yeah, it was lovely. I don't know if that's the worst that it gets. Why is Chris Evans on edge? Well, and I also thought it was really interesting. And I don't know if it's just because he's grown up and he's a little bit more guarded. But almost 10 years ago, he did a profile for Edith Zimmerman for GQ. And it was like he was totally like guard down. And that is like my it's my favorite profile ever written. Oh. Of someone. And he's like he they had like a night out. And it was just like. They had so much fun and he was so different. And I I think it probably just comes with being like almost 40 years old and sort of, I don't know, living a different life than he did then. But I thought that that was really interesting. Was that pre-Captain America? It was like right around when he – it was like for Captain America. It was like – to I believe it was like within the promotion for Captain America. That was the part of the piece – I was most intrigued by. He said he almost didn't accept that role, which is like really the role that has made him. Absolutely. 
he was afraid it would change his life and his ability to be anonymous. And I mean, he's right. So I don't know who am I to say that that's (laughs) like, but it just felt sort of presumptuous. Yeah. I think with him, him though, he's almost enough of like an everyman. Like he is very, very handsome and he has like great shoulders and stuff. But like, I think he does still retain that quality. I think of like, he could put on a baseball cap and, you know, sort of take a walk and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him. He's not Brad Pitt, you know? No. And he's kind of political. So he just started this website like a year ago called A Starting Point. And he tries to give, I guess you just said he's an everyman, but he tries to use layman's terms to like explain political issues. And a lot of Democrats have been very cooperative and allowed him to interview them. But then the Republicans are a little bit more wary. Like, we're not sure what this guy's up to. Yeah. Has that launched yet, though? I know he's been working on it. Let me look. Ah, so they haven't launched it yet. It must have been like right when he was compiling, still compiling the videos. But yeah, it looks like it will be launching soon. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. And I like the idea because I'm sort of I can get a little bit like punchy. And it does mention this where they're like, it's, you know, people have accused him of being sort of naive about it. And like, that's sort of my... (laughs) That's like my gut as I'm like, no, this isn't going to work. But I do like the idea that he was like, it really is just like for dummies. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, politics like, for dummies. that's fine. I don't think that it's the worst thing in the world, like especially because one of the things that sort of the impetus he says for doing it was that he was just watching something and he didn't know an acronym. And that's important. Like stuff like like it, I think it said na- like NAFTA was the example or DACA. And not everyone knows those acronyms. So even just like being like, hey, this is what that means is something, you know. Yeah, and we've all been there before, too, mm-hmm. where you didn't feel like you had an entry point, so then you just ignore it or tune it out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think often on, like, the left side, language can get a little academic, and so that can be a difficult point of entry. I I am such a big fan of his. <laughs> He's my favorite Chris. He's well-documented <laughs> as my favorite. He's my top Chris. I do wish that he and Jenny Slate stayed together, though. <laughs> the interview was in doing press for an Apple Plus show, or was that what yeah. it's called? Yeah, Defending Jacob, yeah. Apple, yeah, Apple TV Plus. Yeah, and the author of Defending Jacob came to the library in October, so I got to, like, have cool. a glass of wine with him and chat with him, and he was so cool. His name's William Landay, and he, I was like, did you get to meet Chris Evans? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, he's, like, a really nice, normal guy, you know? That's cool. Um, and I think he had the opportunity to, like, bring his kid to the set, and Chris Evans, you know, gave them the time of day, which is can't be said of every celebrity. So. That is, yeah, that's really nice. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I just read, like, right before we did this, I just read a different profile a very different profile but it reminds me of that because it talks about how the person this person it's about literally like will talk to any fan for any amount of time and like engage with them totally and it was weird al (laughs) and it was a beautiful piece i'll send it to you it's in the new york times magazine and it was just about like why has weird al been successful and around for 40 years now he's one of five artists uh along with like madonna and michael jackson who he's parodied who has had a top i think it's at a top 20 album in like four decades which is crazy Stephen thompson is my favorite music writer for npr mm-hmm. and he's constantly praising weird al and just says yeah. his level of musical talent to be able to so closely mimic all these different styles and formats mm-hmm. is remarkable yeah and it goes into his um his 
writing process and it's so interesting he has like files and files and files of like every line that he writes until he picks the one that he wants which is just like nuts he has what sounds like almost anthologies of just of of rhyming words and phrases so it was really cool and it's also it was really about like how the writer of the piece in particular it's by sam anderson connected with him as like a kid who was really sort of on you know you know he's weird that's that was the whole thing right and then his story of becoming weird al and how people still just really really adore him so it was really cool i enjoyed it but i thought it was just interesting because i didn't even realize like you and it does address this too you don't even think about he's just always been there amish paradise yeah classic absolutely and i remember a few years ago even because you kind of think oh you know he's gone away i have heard him he's he's friendly with a lot of the comedy um like comedy people and comedy podcast people that i listen to but like even a few years ago, he did the blur- a Blurred Lines parody and it was so funny <laughs> thing. And what they do is the pictures, there's obviously f- a couple photos of him in it. But what they had, what they did was they had like over 200 of his fans come and take pictures dressed as him. Oh, yeah. that's great. Tribute. It's really, really cool. When he's on tour, he like secludes himself and to save all of his energy for like performance and fan interaction. So I just thought it was fascinating. He seems like a really cool guy. Another piece of Molly flavored pop culture. <laughs> oh boy. That I thought was so funny was Vanity Fair writing about cats. It because they is found a- out. <laughs> yeah, it's real. That there there is a butthole cut of the film mm-hmm. in which early on All the cats. The, yeah. So the visual effects, they looked so cat like that they had actually included a, a like cat butthole. cat butts, yeah. Like I, I mean, everyone can imagine what a cat butt looks like, right? Yeah. Uh, and in uh, watching early takes of the movie, they were like, "Wow, this is really uncomfortable. We need to fix this." So they designated one person uh, to, yep. to edit out all the cat butts. That was his entire job. This poor, yeah, this poor guy. I want to say though, I just think it's funny that they watched a cut and were like, "Oh, this is uncomfortable because of the buttholes, and not because of just like every other aspect of the film." Um, oh my god! Like, I like how they pinpointed that instead of just like any number of other things. The same source also said that. In the visual effects department, they had to spend six months perfecting the trailer, but then they only got four months to finish the the rest of the, the ninety minute movie. Right, which is why which is why Judy Dench is walking around with human hands and her wedding ring on for half of it. <laughs> like, oh my God. just like Judy Dench's hands are just her hands, and you're just like, well, okay, we accept you had you said to accept it, you know. I also read a tweet. Some people were, you know, obviously a flutter about this whole story, and a different person who also. I don't know if they had worked on cats I, or if they have just or if they had worked on um, like Les Mis or a different Tom Hooper movie. But they said that they had worked on visual effects for Tom Hooper and like he never said thank you <laughs> of like about anything like at all. So, yeah, I heard he was so demeaning nightmare. and awful to everyone. Yep. So maybe they should take away his Oscar for the King speech and give it to David Fincher for the social network. I'm going right, to start. I'm, I'm going to start a uh a petition <laughs> but oh great yes. things that i've been watching lately which also made me think of you have you mm-hmm. ever seen molly's game i haven't but i would love to with um jessica chastain right yep and yeah. it's an aaron sorkin yeah and it's just 
it's funny and smart and riveting. It has like really interesting timelines and it's edited in like a very clever way. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. If you guys don't know this woman, I can't remember her last name. Do you remember her last name? Molly. She it's based on a true story about this woman who just started like a multi-million dollar celebrity filled private poker game. Molly Bloom. Molly Bloom, yeah. And so a lot of the actors in the movie, because it's she wrote a book and it'll say like actor X or so and so. Um, and so a lot of the people in the movie play versions of the actors who are really there. So like Michael Sarah is essentially p- playing Toby Maguire in this movie. If you can kind of dig, there's a few stories you can find, like interviews with her and and deeper dives into that whole situation that sort of go through and they'll tell you like the counterparts of all the people, which is yeah. very interesting. And she's so noble in that she's been very tight-lipped and she would only reveal people's names that somebody else had like spilled in a deposition, but she wouldn't say anyone. But if you do dig deeper, there's a lot about the Olsen twins. And I was mm. like, what? So there which are is all crazy. types of A-list celebrities who are involved in this gambling ring. And I was, yeah, I was blown away. Yeah, it's very, very cool. And I think I feel like I love Jessica Chastain. I always really like her work. I think she's great. But I watched it just because it was called Molly's Game and I missed yeah. you. <laughs> You're like, I have to watch. Uh, perfect. This is it. I'll have to find a Sarah, a Sarah movie. Yeah. The other, uh, <laughs> the other short documentary I watched this week. Oh, and that one's not a documentary. It's a, a dramatic film, but it's based on a true story. But the the documentary I watched this week on Netflix was called Long Shot. And it was about a gentleman who's accused of murder. And he's like, I was at a baseball game. I was at an L.A. Dodgers, right? Yeah. An L.A. Dodgers game. And then they, like, try to find um, the visuals of him. But there's so many thousands and thousands of people there. Mm-hmm. He's like, I swear to God, I did not commit this murder. But it turns out that Larry David was filming an episode of Curb, of Your, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Enthusiasm that day. So the I whole heard time about this. To be like, Oh, my God. Is he on the footage from the show? Oh, my God. Um, So you'll have to watch it. There's some twists and turns, but I really enjoyed it. And it's only 40 (laughs) minutes long. Oh, yeah. That sounds great. What have I been watching? So there's this Canadian TV show I love called Kim's Convenience. It is based on a play. It's about a Korean family's small business. It's very, very sweet, though. It's one of those shows that's like you just kind of want to leave it on in the background it's just lovely and it's very funny and the the parents are sort of their parents are both like from korea and so they sort of have their own idea of what's what and then they have two two kids who are like our age like millennial age just trying to like survive and thrive in toronto but it's really nice i think for like this time in our lives it's just a really it's sweet and funny and that the father the like dad character he's called appa which is like papa in Korean is like one of my favorite characters ever. He's so funny. So I highly recommend that. It's on Netflix also. And the guy who is the star of it, Simulu, he's very handsome, just got cast in Shang- as Shang-Chi, which is like a new Marvel movie that's coming out. Or it's a Marvel character. The character's not new, but he is going to be a big star soon. So you guys can like jump on that train early if you want. <laughs> he just got a, a big, big part as a Marvel guy. So yeah, but it's, it's just, it's really, it's funny. You know, if you're ironing or I don't know what people do, (laughs) it's like one of those shows, just like put it on and sort of leave it there. It's very cute. 
I also, speaking of ironing, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts while I like sanitize my house and right? stuff like that. You know, yeah. I've been doing a lot of chores and cooking and I binged The Dream this week, which is a podcast about multi-level marketing. Oh, yes. I it's love everything. Multi-level marketing schemes. I mean, like I don't, yeah. I hate them, but I am obsessed with them. Yeah, but I mean, we talk a lot about how I really am interested in cults. Mm -hmm. This is so closely aligned with cult behavior. It's like schemers, scammers, cults. Oh, it's so good. And people don't realize, too, like even the more mainstream ones, like Mary Kay is a multi-level marketing um, scheme, like an Avon. You can trace it back to like Tupperware. I remember my aunt selling Tupperware in the 80s, and it's like... That is exactly... They start with Tupperware and Mary Kay. (laughs) Yep. And people have to buy... They basically have to buy like a... What's it called? You buy the inventory. Buy the inventory. That's the the word I was looking for. Yeah, you buy the inventory, and then you have to sell it. But like if you don't sell any of it, then you don't make any money. You have to recruit other people to join. It's a pyramid scheme. It's a pyramid scheme. So you have to recruit other people to be a part of it Mm -hmm. if you want it to be lucrative in any way. And people just end up sitting on the inventory. I will have to listen to that because I love that stuff. Actually, our friend Joy was also talking about that the other day. Yeah, she's the one that recommended it. Uh That led me to watch. Oh, did you watch On Becoming a God in Central Florida? No, I watched Ah. Betting on Zero, which is about Herbalife, which is a pyramid scheme. But it was just a nice extension of the podcast where I was like, oh, my goodness, it's Mm. so twisted. And they just prey on low-income people who are vulnerable. Well, I was going to say on that note, there is a great show. What is it on? It's not like Showtime. Um, It just came out last year. It's called On Becoming a God in Central Florida. And it stars Kristen Dunst as a woman who kind of starts to get involved in this and then turns into like a superstar of this like I think it's a fictional MLM but it's just all about like how she you know her rise and fall in that industry and it takes place in like the 80s it's really really good it's, oh yeah it's on or, showtime in the 90s yeah it's it's very very dark and funny and I love Kirsten Dunst Oh, yeah, she's just okay. She's the best. I'm adding this yes. to my yeah. quarantine watch list. You gotta. It does make me worry too, because there's like people in my real life that I love that are involved in these things. Mm. And so it opened my eyes a little bit where I'm right? like, oh no. Yeah. I mean, I think certain ones try to try to like make themselves seem more reputable than others. So it's a whole thing. And if you do get to a certain level, it, it can make you money. Yeah. It's but just at rare some that that point happens. you max out and then also mm-hmm. you end up manipulating people, which was the worst part. They were right. like, at some point you get to a level where you realize all of these people you recruit are going to suffer if you're successful and you have to make that decision. Absolutely. I guess on a, a lighter note, well, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is light, but <laughs> I'm, I was supposed to go on my honeymoon um, in oh, a few yeah. days to Italy, and we're not going. But I was just reading the New York Times, and there was this article about a couple that like just left on their honeymoon right before all of the restrictions were put and in they place. They went to the Maldives, right? Yes. I read And they that. get stranded there. Ugh. And it's a butcher and a teacher. And they're yep. at this resort that costs a minimum of $750 a night. They so saved it's like, all their money. It was a 
a big splurge for them, and then they got stuck, but the whole staff of the hotel had to stay there with them. There's some sort of weird government regulation that won't allow any Maldivians to leave resorts until until after the quarantine. Yeah. Well, did you see the, like, follow-up? Apparently a bunch of – so these people are South African. I was surprised by that. I thought for sure they'd be American. But apparently there's a bunch of South African people – Stuck in the Maldives, so they put them all in one place. Yes, so they got like an hour's notice on yeah. WhatsApp, and they were like, a speedboat is coming for you. It's so and then crazy. <laughs> the local government transported them to a different resort, and they're now like going to subsidize a large portion of the cost of their stay, but there's a bunch of other South African couples there too. Yeah, and they so they so and and basically the South African embassy was like, yeah, you guys can come back. You just have to um, pay for yourselves to charter this $100,000 p- private plane. <gasps> Oh, that's right. That's why none and of them were left. Because like, like, uh. unless you can get, I mean, like, ugh, yeah, unless you can get all, like, whatever, 50 other people, it's still, like, that's crazy. It was a really interesting read. I did feel for those, the people working there, though. I know. I would have been furious, but it sounds mm-hmm. like they were so gracious and kept waiting on this one yeah. couple hand and foot. Well, someone on um, someone like retweeted that article and and had an idea, and they were like, "What they should do is everyone should take turns being the couple on vacation, <laughs> like rotating <laughs> in and out. It. Yeah, like all the staff should have a chance to be the the, the vacationing <laughs> people." And I was like, "That's great." Now there's an idea, right? Because even after they left, the regulations said they had to stay two more weeks. But the other New York Times article that brought me a little bit of joy this week was um, Tom Ford, who's like from the fashion world. Yes. He did a consultation about how to look good on Zoom. And I was like, thank God. Oh, I I've love that. All these Zoom meetings this week and I look so crazy. I've just like been trying different parts of our apartment, but I live in <laughs> one room. Right. I'm in a studio and there's a lot going on, you know, and you're supposed to like have nothing behind you and don't have light behind you and all this stuff. So I've really been trying to dial it in. Yeah, it is tricky. But he said, put your computer on a stack of books so that you're like eye level. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. He he said, put white paper down on the table beneath you so it like reflects the light up. I didn't – I haven't tried that yet. He's he's brilliant. Well, he also – has directed films so like he oh. yeah he made um that movie nocturnal animals which was kind of crazy but he made a really beautiful movie called a single man with colin firth 10 years ago i think so he does so i bet that that's part of it for him too is he has that experience yeah that makes sense because he talks about the light too he's mm-hmm. like figure out which side is your best side and then put a lamp on that side and I was like, oh, my God. I know. Yeah. This is good advice. And then he was like, wear a lot of powder, which whatever. Nah. I have, it's been so I good for my skin to yes. take a break from makeup. Oh, my God. I also haven't worn a bra in like a long time. <laughs> Nor have I. Or like I'll put one on just like just to put one on to feel normal. And then like 20 minutes later, I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> Get rid of it. I know. Well, yesterday – we did a teacher parade, so I guess I wore clothes for that. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of awesome. There were like 100 cars, and all the teachers were in their cars, and we drove through Greybrook Valley and Lincoln Village. And That's awesome. 
it was nice. Yeah. And there were like lots of people waving through their windows and stuff and people had signs and everything, but they had sent out the parade route and I was like somewhere in the middle. And, um, at the end of the route, it was like, okay, now you're free to go. But the people behind me obviously were just following me. So (laughs) I started to drive home and I look behind and there's like this car with a (laughs) giant sloth in a burn coat shirt. And there's like this truck with all these signs and flags still following me. And I'm like, oh no, (laughs) they they just kept following me. So finally in front of your apartment, Zoe's like, Sarah, and I pull over and I had to tell them like, hey guys, I'm just going home. Like, this is over. I, this is not like, our neighborhood anymore. It was very funny though. They that were like, is funny. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Oh well. I felt bad or weird. I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't and I'm so socially awkward too. I kept thinking, like, well, maybe they're just all going to get onto 290s. So right. that's why they're still following well, me. Yeah, but don't you think that they would have figured out like that that's not <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. I yeah. was like, oh, that's kind of silly. Um, oh, uh, what was it? What day is it? Thursday. I don't know. Um, Tuesday know. night, we played trivia. That was so fun. That we was played really Zoom. fun. We played virtual trivia over Zoom, and it was the questions were asked over Zoom, and we answered them on a Google form. So that was really cool. Um, and it would be easy to do with a group of friends too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you like want to come up with your own. Yep. It was, it was awesome. And I also will say, so I, I did win by what we thought was the tiebreaker, but I got an email from um, Alini, who's the girl who was running it, and apparently, and I had one extra. I had one other point that it didn't count, so <laughs> I did win by a full point. You <laughs> to be <we> clear, <laughs> I um, was embarrassed by how poorly we did. You guys did like, fine. It was so oh fun. Oh my though. god, it was really fun. I thought that was a great idea. I'm trying to think if there have been other innovations. I love your, and you didn't do this because of Passover. Yes. But I've enjoyed your Wednesday night Instagram live My where you just like talk to people. Whatever, yeah. yeah. And yes. it's such good energy. And that must be kind of exhausting to be like on for two hours, but you're just, you're killing it, Molly. Yes. I did skip it this week because I, I did attend a, a Zoom uh, Cedar. So. <laughs> We were busy. I tried to, I tried to make matzo last night for my husband to be like, "Look, we're part of this Passover tradition," <laughs> and he's like, "Is there flour in this?" Oh no! <laughs> like, I'm like, "Yeah," Maybe. and he's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I that like, that's part of oh, this. Oh, you're supposed to use matzo. What is it even called? Matzo meal. Yeah, matzo yeah. meal. Oh my god, that's so funny. What is this New York Times recipe that they gave me with flour for matzah? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Do you like Allison Roman? I do. I've been looking at her Instagram like crazy lately. And my college roommate, she turned me on to her a few months ago. And I was like, I never heard of this girl. And she's awesome. But she's picked up such a huge following now, especially in quarantine, because she cooks with like Mm. a lot of pantry staples. Yeah, she's actually one of the good ones. There's very few that are actually cooking with pantry things. <laughs> it's know. like her and um, I follow this girl. What's her last name? I started following her a while ago because like Bobby Flay had a recipe from her. Nicole Gaffney is her name. Um, and she's like, I believe she's just a home cook, which I think is why she oh, actually maybe not, which I think is why her like stuff is actually like good for home cooks but her 
if you are like looking for that kind of stuff, hers is really good. And her at on Instagram is at Coley, like C-O-L-E-Y cooks, Coley cooks. Um, and I'll like post, I'll do like a, I'll post, put her on an Instagram story or something, but her stuff has been great too. You posted something so funny on your Instagram story the other day that was like, yeah, I'm going to use all the pantry staples, <laughs> yeah, including a feather of a dodo bird, <laughs> yeah, hemp milk, obscure. <laughs> yeah. I know I saw that and I was like, oh, this is, I know the one thing actually that has been really good is there are so many like good, funny memes happening. Mm-hmm. to save us and I think a lot of people I got a lot of replies from it I think a lot of people really felt that they really responded to that so that was <laughs> I good. thought that was great because yes. I've been cooking a lot and everything calls for anchovy paste and I'm like oh, I can't find it they don't have anchovy yeah, paste all the right good now. Italian food typically this weekend I would really look forward to because it's stout fest at Armsby Abbey oh yeah yeah, I mean, like, it would usually be Southwest, Aww. so I hope everyone, I know I keep plugging them, but, like, I hope that I, I, they have, like, you can get Hill Farmstead and all these different yeah, selections so now. Much. Beer that you cannot get from other places. Yeah, locally. and so I really encourage you all to to get yourself a stout in honor of Stout Fest for RMC this weekend. stout waffles. Yeah. But the other thing in the beer world is Trillium is delivering to Worcester on Saturdays. What? The brewery. Yeah. So I tried to put an order last week. You have to do it on Friday mornings. And I put it in at 935 and it wouldn't go through. And I was like, oh, this is weird. I wonder if it's a tech thing. And I sent them a message on Instagram. And they were like, hi, Sarah. Uh, we actually sold out at 920 or whatever. And wow. I was like, damn. So, yeah, if you want that Trillium to get delivered to your door, you got to do it right at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. That's wild. But they do. They pull up in the Trillium truck right to your house. And I don't know. It's kind of awesome. Very cool. Um, Redemption Rock is delivering right now, right, too? Yes. Yeah. Redemption Rock's delivering. And then uh, the Alchemist was not able to sell their inventory of Hetty Topper in Vermont, so they what? are distributing to a few key places in Massachusetts as well, one of which is Mass Liquors. Crazy. Yep. First time for everything. Yeah. Excellent work, Molly. <laughs> Excellent work, Sarah. Well, like I said, now that I'm finally doing, like, the distance, I'm more, like, we're kind of more buckling down on the distance earning. I feel like I have a job again. But there was, like, those couple weeks there where I was like, yeah, the internet is my job now. Like, online is my job. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Uh, it felt like. I'm on Google Classroom every day with my kids, but Mm -hmm. it's still a struggle to make sure that every kid – yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Um, And it's heartbreaking when they send you messages and they're like, I can only use my mom's phone for a couple hours when she gets home from work. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, I don't know. There's just such inequity. Yeah, it's – it's tough. Yeah. So we're we're doing our best. All right. Should we end on such a negative note? Well, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> we can edit it. Yes. <laughs> or not. Just leave yes, it. Yes, and leave yes. that in. That's funny. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have been Molly. I have been Sarah. And this was Pop and It. And this is Pop It. Yeah. <laughs> we did backwards this time. Ah, pop It. All right. Good work, Molly. 